Hey there, mama. Welcome back to the new mom boss podcast. It's Callista here. And you know, one of my favorite things about this show is that I get to bring you different experts and specialists to help you along in your new mom journey. A lot of the things that we think about aren't really in the realm of pregnancy or postpartum, but it still takes space in our heads. And one of those things when you're just starting a family is getting into your first home. I know right now things are not economically the best that they can be. And I know a lot of people are waiting and putting off buying a home, which is totally understandable. And it's probably not something you're thinking about right away, right when you're pregnant, but you know you would want to get into a house, you know, when the time is right. So if that's you, then this episode is really going to help you out because I have a guest, a really special guest who is so knowledgeable around real estate and home loans. Her name is Stephanie Boyd and she has years and years and years under her belt. She has her own company in real estate and loans. So she really, really knows what she's talking about. And I learned so much from her in just a short time that we talked. And you know, there are lots of creative ways to getting into a home that you may not have heard of. And so stay tuned and listen in because she has lots of great tips that you can just put in your back pocket. Or if you're ready for something now, you know, this is really good to know as well. If you're not ready yet, you know, just becoming familiar with the lingo and getting educated and just building your knowledge base for whatever it is you're getting into. And in this case, in in this episode, buying a home, especially with just starting a family, a young family, you know, the time to start learning is now. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Let me know what you think. You can send me a message on Instagram and Facebook or wherever you like to hang out because I really, really love to hear from you guys. And I hope you enjoy this episode. So let's get the show started. Hi, I'm Callista Anderson, a new mom coach and educator. I help new moms just like you during pregnancy and beyond to figure out what to do next and how to do it so that you feel prepared, equipped with the proper knowledge and ready for your precious baby, allowing you to enjoy the wonderful runway into mommyhood. If you're navigating through pregnancy with a million things on your mind that you know you have to get done or learn about, then this is the podcast for you. I have been where you are and I totally get it. I'm a mom of three and my first two babies were back to back, only 13 months apart. Those first couple of years were a pretty challenging time, but it made me a fast new mom master, and it gave me a newfound passion for mamas-to-be and their babies. It was during this intense learning curve of the new mom life, I had a light bulb moment and said, wow, isn't it interesting that we women prepare way more for our weddings, like a year in advance, and put so much energy into every last detail? Yet, we don't do the same thing for becoming a new mom. I was inspired to combine my experience along with my professional background as a registered nurse and a certified lactation counselor 
to help women get ready for their babies like they were getting ready for their weddings, to make them feel like a boss when that sweet baby arrived. So I created my business, New Mom Boss, and started this show, The New Mom Boss Podcast, to help prepare women for the most important job of their lives, becoming a mom. I am so glad you are here and want to thank you in advance for taking the time to learn for your baby. We moms are changing the world one baby at a time, and I can hardly wait to get started. So let's go. Well, welcome to the show, Stephanie. I'm so glad you're here to be able to talk to our mamas about getting started with their first homes, because when you're starting a new family, it's often kind of overwhelming and you don't know where to begin buying your first home. But before we get there, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself and how you got to do what you're doing? I think you have such a special, unique story and background story. And if you could tell us a little bit, that would be great. Thank you so much for having me, Calista. It's a pleasure. Basically, in a nutshell, I started out as a teenage mom at the age of 16, wondering what to do with my life. So I decided that education was the answer. And I went to my local community college, got a degree in criminal justice and set out to become a criminal defense investigator. So I was the youngest criminal defense investigator Mm -hmm. in Sacramento County. And it was a very interesting job for a few years. After about five years, I decided to change careers and join my family's real estate team. So my mom had been in appraisals in the 80s. And in the late 90s, she got into mortgages and real estate in between. So just kind of learned as she went along. And in 2000, when I was ready to get my real estate license, she was very well versed in all of the ways of real estate and mortgages. So through the ups and downs, there's been some ins and outs over the years. I've done a lot of other things in the interim, but in about 2015, I jumped back into the real estate game and it's been a wild ride. So yeah, one of the things that I love to do is help first-time buyers figure out how to get into a home. And so that was always my mom's greatest love in real estate. Um, We started out with first-time buyers with bad credit. And then we helped them rebuild their credit or no credit a lot of times, you know, just all different types of borrowers and love getting first-time buyers into their first home. It's so exciting to... And it, it can be a process. So it's a good thing to keep in mind, you know, to just start figuring out where to start. And that's the most important step, right? Like, where do you even begin? One of the topics I know we talked a little bit before we started recording, because there's so many different topics around real estate and how to help first time buyers and new fam- or young families. A lot of people don't know this, but sometimes owning a home can be less than renting. Is that true? That is definitely true. Although in the economic climate that we're in these days with the Fed raising the interest rates seven times so far this year, they're going for another rate hike towards the end of the year when they meet one last time. So this was a different conversation a year ago when rates were in the twos and now they're in the high sixes or even sevens. But depending on your market, 
and your purchase price. So that's the thing. In my area, it's getting harder and harder to make that calculation work out. For example, and this is kind of the bad news, I was pricing out a house purchase yesterday on a borrower that I was working with last year. And because of the interest rates going up, their payment is $1,000 more than it would have been last year on the same purchase price. So the real estate market, the economy is unpredictable right now. So it's definitely good to speak with an area specialist in your market to find out how that compares, you know, because maybe you can't afford a condo in your market. And then even if your mortgage payment is a little bit more than you'd be paying in rent, you're still building your own equity instead of your landlords. So 100% of your rent is going to someone else's wealth. So even if you're paying a bit more on your mortgage, it's still an investment in your family's future and your own sense of security and housing. Because who knows if the rates are going to go up more before they start coming down. But people who are on the fence should definitely try to think about getting in before the market changes much more. It's a tricky one out there. Right. I know you're so right with the interest going up and up. I know a lot of non-home owners are waiting to get in and they feel very discouraged because of the high interest rate. But you do bring up a good point that you are investing in it's in a sense kind of like instead of saving money separately, you can kind of combine that together and it's in a something that you can hold on to for a long time. Exactly. And your mortgage interest is a tax write-off. So that's another benefit too. And then also the good news is that lenders are responding with a variety of different options that haven't been available in the past to help encourage first-time buyers to get in the market. So I know that one of the things we were going to touch on was getting into a home with zero down. And In my market, there is a wonderful new program, an equity builder down payment assistance, which gives you 10% of the purchase price and it's completely forgiven after you live in the home for five years. It does require that you don't rent out the home or sell it in the interim, but each year, 20% is forgiven until the fifth year you reach 100%. And so potentially that's 40 or $50,000 or more because in some of our high value markets in, you know, the Bay Area, San Francisco, those loan limits and the purchase price limits are like around over 800,000. So in that case, you would get up to 10,000 to 80,000 for your down payment and closing costs. So that is one way to get into a house with a free grant that pays your three and a half percent down payment plus all of your closing costs and really a good way to get zero out of pocket. So for someone who's thinking about renting and you might be paying three thousand a month for rent plus a three thousand dollar deposit plus you know last month's rent or something, you're looking at six or nine thousand dollars to move, it might be worth it to check out a down payment assistance program. And this program is specific to California, but most states have some form of down payment assistance. The only real drawback is that there are income limits. So it's typically 80% of the area median income. So in Sacramento County in California, our income limit for this program is around 81000 So it's not 
for people who make a ton of money, but it's for your regular average people to help them be able to qualify for help. Another thing we're seeing in the market, which is changing from being a massive seller's market where sellers are getting 100000 over the asking price and everyone's getting outbid. Uh, we're seeing properties stay on the market for longer and sellers are making concessions, paying closing costs. So let's say you do have a 3% down payment or 35 for FHA, 3% for conventional. These are some really low down payments for first-time buyers only at the 3%. But there is a seller's buy-down, a 2-1 buy-down that the seller can pay. So it's called a seller-paid buy-down, and it would go towards your closing costs, and it would buy down your interest rate 2% the first year, 1% the second year. And then it would go back to the rate the third year. So let's just say your 30-year fixed rate is 7%. The first year, your rate's going to be 5%. Then the second year, it's going to be 6%. Then the third year, it'll go to 7%. So it's a way to help people who are counting on, you know, maybe you're finishing school, you're going to have a degree, you're going to get a raise, or, you know, you're going to promote within your company over the next couple of years. So you'll be able to afford the payment to go up incrementally. And it's a way to get you in at a lower initial payment. Sounds like there's a lot of creative ways to get started. Definitely. We're seeing a lot of lenders really stretching to come up with some creative programs to help people get into the market as it starts to shift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they need to. So that because people are afraid to to buy one because they don't they don't feel like they can afford it. And too. Well, I don't know what you think about this thinking. My thinking is I would rather get a good selling price or buying price than a good interest rate. Because I feel like at some point you can always refinance, but you can never change the purchase price. What do you think about that? Well, that is a good theory and a good philosophy, which will work as long as rates don't continue. The more rates go up, the more unattainable the price becomes. So even as the price comes down, if the rate's going up astronomically, then that's going to outpace the price drop. I keep hearing people referring back to the 80s when interest rates were 16%, 17%, which you know, nobody really realistically thinks that that's going to happen again. But if it did, you would want to be locked in to a rate in the sevens as opposed to a rate in the tens or the twelves. So the example that I cited before where the mortgage payment would be a thousand dollars more than it would have been last year, that's mm-hmm. with starting at a three and a half percent interest rate and then a thousand dollars more is with the six and a quarter interest rate. So it's three points added to that payment. One percentage point makes a huge difference in your mortgage payment. So every time the Fed keeps raising the rates, it gets more and more unaffordable. So most experts I've been reading suggest that the rates will come down again in within a couple of years, a few years, you know. And I know definitely there are some people that want to wait until that happens. And so what I always encourage people to do is just talk to a local expert and look at the math and see if it makes sense for you, you know, because Mm -hmm. you can't be completely house rich and cash poor, you know, you want to find something within your budget, but you know, 
rates continuing to go up versus housing dropping, you know, it kind of equals itself out. So if the prices come down, but the rates go up, the payment's still going to be higher than it would have been at that price previously. Hey, friend, I just wanted to take a quick pause on the episode and tell you a little message. Most of you know about my prepping for postpartum workshop and that I hold it every two to three months. So it's a workshop where we create a postpartum plan for you over a few days. You know, I only hold it three or four times a year, and I've been getting a lot of messages and emails from pregnant mamas, and they wish they could take the workshop, but the workshop date might be too late and they're approaching their due date and they wanna get it done sooner, or they may not be able to do the workshop. So I reminded these mamas, if you're feeling like you can't wait for the workshop or it's just too far away for you, just know that we can still work together and create your own postpartum plan on a one-on-one session. So if you are one of those mamas feeling that way, you know, you just can't wait for the next workshop, then this might work better for you. If you go to newmomboss.com forward slash guidance under new mom assessment, we can create that postpartum plan for you. Again, if you don't want to wait for the next workshop, go to newmomboss.com forward slash guidance. And if you're a mama who wants to wait for the next workshop, you can get on the wait list now by going to newmomboss.com forward slash PFP dash workshop. All right, my message is over. Now back to the episode. I know you have a way of calculating how much you can afford. Can you share that with us? I do. There is a worksheet on my website, which goes into a little bit more detail. If anybody wants to really play with some numbers, they can go to firsttimebuyershandbook.com. And they'll get bumped into my website where there is a worksheet in my resources section. So basically what you want to do is find out what your debt to income ratio is. Lenders will typically want to see your ratio under 45% of your income going to your housing and living expenses. This is your gross income before taxes. So let's say that your combined income with you and your spouse is 10,000 a month. Your mortgage payment and all of your car payments, credit card bills, all that stuff can be no higher than 4500. Some programs will allow you to go higher to 50%, even sometimes you can push it over 50% with an FHA loan. The down payment assistance has stricter guidelines around the debt to income ratio. But basically, in a nutshell, the simplest way I can explain this is you want to add up all of your expenses. And this does not include things like childcare, electricity, your phone bill, things like that. This is just what's on your credit report, your car payments, your proposed monthly payment. And a lot of times if you're floating around on Zillow or Realtor.com, they'll tell you what a payment would be with a 20% down payment. And assuming that you don't have 20% down, maybe you have zero down, maybe you have three and a half percent down, you know, that would be a factor in determining what the actual payment would be on that house. But it's a good place to start getting an idea. 
You just want to make sure that that proposed monthly mortgage payment, along with your car payment and credit cards, doesn't equal more than 45% of your income, of your gross income. So that's the basic, simplest part of the calculation. There is a way to actually figure out a factor to determine how many dollars per thousand your payment would be based on the purchase price that you're looking at. But it's a little bit harder to explain without actually going through the worksheet. So we'll just leave it at that. 45% is a rule of thumb that is pretty reliable. I would say that there are experts available. I'm certainly available to run these calculations if anybody wants to reach out. But, you know, somebody who's knowledgeable in your market with your purchase prices is a great place to start. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the key is just getting started and looking at the first few steps you need to take. I think young families often are just waiting and waiting because they don't know where to start. But that is a good message to put out there is that you may not need 20% down payment. I think that hearing the 20% down payment sounds really overwhelming with the cost of homes these days. Definitely. And there are many, many programs to help people get in with less than 20% down. So 20% down payment will prevent you from having to pay mortgage insurance. And a lot of people are afraid of mortgage insurance, but it's just an insurance that the lender charges in case you default on the loan, then they still get some of the money paid to them through this insurance policy. And if you have to pay a little mortgage insurance in order to borrow 97% instead of 80%, it's a great trade-off. So yeah, saving a down payment as little as 3% can be a great way to reduce your costs getting into your first home. Seller paid closing costs, seller paid buy-downs are definitely happening again in the market where there's just been so much competition. Sellers really didn't have to make many concessions for the past few years. But we're seeing more inventory, the houses staying on the market for longer, and people who do want to sell are offering you know, credits for repairs, credits for closing costs, credits to buy down your interest rate. The way to get the lowest interest rate is by putting down a down payment. So the way that these down payment assistance programs are funded is by having a higher interest rate. So it's not much higher. And oftentimes it's really comparable to, you know, if you have a 620 credit score, you might have a 7% interest rate with a down payment and you might have a 7% interest rate without a down payment. So it's driven by the higher your credit score, the lower your interest rate is how it works. So, you know, people want to definitely be careful with their credit. If you don't have any credit, a good way to start building credit is to, you know, open a small credit card. One little trick I like to pass out to first-time buyers who are young families with no established credit is that if you have an old grandma with great credit who loves you, she can add you as an authorized user to her accounts. And you don't get a credit card or access to the account, but all of her years of good payment history and the score that the bureaus give her will be attached to your social security number because you're now on her account. So I've seen that raise credit scores by 50 to 100 points over a couple of months. That's a great Yeah, it definitely helped my son get his score up when his grandma added 
him. And why I always suggested grandma is because they've had accounts for 30 years, 25 years that they've, so the credit score is based on usage, your balance to your high credit limit. You know, there's a few things that they base that score on and definitely grandma always has the high scores in all the categories for the most part. So, but also don't give them the credit card. <laughs> yes, the grandmas card. do not give them the credit card. Yeah, that's that's a really I've never heard of that. I think that is a wonderful hack and a great way to get started if you don't have any credit. Oh, how about for someone who has bad credit and they want to rebuild? What's some good tips for that? So sometimes going into a debt consolidation program can help, although. You know, sometimes it's a case if you have really bad credit, you just need to go ahead and file bankruptcy because actually you can get an FHA loan two years after a bankruptcy is discharged. Conventional loans make you wait four years, but the negative impact on your credit of bad accounts, if you have something like, you know, a car repo or charge off collections, sometimes just filing bankruptcy is the way to get your credit back faster than even paying off all of those bad debts. Mm -hmm. You can start over faster. Yeah, definitely. What does FHA stand for again? Uh, The Federal Housing Agency. It's a government agency that was created to help more people buy homes and more first-time buyers. So typically in history, you needed that 20% down payment in order to buy a house with a conventional loan. So FHA came along... mm, probably in the 60s, maybe the 70s, I'm not 100% sure, but they changed the housing rules. They created this agency to ensure that portion of your purchase price over 80% and offer you a 3.5% down payment. So you can now walk in with an FHA loan, 3.5% down, and they will ensure that portion above 80% up to your minimum required down payment. That's where the mortgage insurance comes in. So FHA was created in order to just open up the market to people who weren't able to save up that 20% down payment. And now conventional has kind of caught up. They only offer this for first-time buyers at 3% down, but a lot of other buyers can get a conventional loan with a 5% down payment. You're going to have that mortgage insurance with either one, but the FHA loan is just a loan that the government insures. And so that's their function. There's so much to learn about, you know, real estate and the market. And when you're new and you've never bought a house, it can be intimidating. I've only gone through the process like recently as far as buying and selling at the same time. And I'm, you know, I I still know there's a lot I don't know. (laughs) Oh, yeah. There's so much paperwork. There's so many different options, loan programs numbers to figure out. Another way to get in with zero down in case you have military families out there, I did not know until a few years ago that you can actually use your VA loan while you're active duty. So VA, um, the Veterans Administration gives you a 100% loan with no down payment and no mortgage insurance. So Mm. once you reach the parameters, it's usually... I think it's 180 days of active duty or something along those lines. And then because you're going to you know, be changing stations, bases, and you may want to buy a house and then you may want to hang on to it for a few months and sell it or rent it out and maybe come back, live in it again after your deployment or 
whatever. So that is an awesome benefit that I'm encouraging my little son and who is in the Air Force to use while he's still active duty. Yeah, that's a great benefit. Yeah. And of course, once you're discharged, most people, I find that a lot of people don't really, they know about the GI Bill, but a lot of people don't really fully understand the benefits of that VA loan that's available to them until they're separating from the military. And then they kind of get overwhelmed by this discharge package that happens. So yeah, it's a great thing for active duty guys, as well as veterans who are no longer serving. But I love working with veterans and I just am so humbled by their bravery and in just their willingness to do their thing every day while the rest of us are mostly oblivious. That is so true. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much. One more thing before we we wrap up and I want you to tell our listeners how they can find you, but you help families in California because this is where you live and where you practice, but you also help people move out of California, I read. Yes, definitely. I can help with referral networks to get people situated on the other side of their move. We are seeing quite a few people moving out of California in these past couple of years. As people are able to work remotely, they can kind of keep their California job and income and go work someplace that's more affordable. So yeah, we love to help people um, as long as you know one side of the transaction is happening in California. We have referral partners all over the place that we can hook up with and get you taken care of on the other side of your move. Amazing. And I know your website has resources that might be a good place for first-time buyers or people just thinking about it. There's good resources there to get started, right? Absolutely. There's a bunch of stuff on there, including the first-time buyer's handbook, which goes through the whole process of buying your first house step-by-step. So. It's a good little handy checkbook to take a look at, checklist. So yeah, that's at firsttimehomebuyersworkbook.com. And my website is stephanieboy.com. And that's S-T-E-F-A-N-I-B-O-Y-D.com. Right, Stephanie. I know that. Thank you for spelling that. And if you didn't catch that, we'll put everything in the show notes so that, you know, you can just go on there and click onto her resources and get started. So thank you so much, Stephanie. I know this is going to help a lot of our listeners who aren't even thinking about, you know, buying their first home. But I hope after listening to this, they can get the wheels turning, start saving, start learning the lingo, because there's so much to learn before you actually get things done. And the better prepared you are, the better off you are. So thank you for coming. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to talking to you again someday. Hey mama, before I let you go, I just want to say thank you for listening to this show. I know you have a ton of choices out there and I am grateful to have you here. If you found this podcast valuable, then chances are other mamas just like you will too. So if you could do us a favor, please leave a rating and review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. We, I mean the future listeners and I, would truly appreciate it. Because I'm sure you already know, small actions can have big ripple effects. Also, if you're not already following me on Instagram, go ahead and follow me at New Mom Boss. I love getting connected in DMs and getting to know listeners and also seeing your stories. 
And lastly, if you're looking for a like-minded community to go on this new mom journey with, then join my free Facebook group called New Mom Lounge. Simply type New Mom Lounge in Facebook and you should easily find it. All right, I hope to connect with you soon. Take care.